0: The reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 14 to 30. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of all different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts.
1: Back in the early 1900s at Bondi Beach, a number of people were swept out to sea and drowned. Uh, And as a result of that disaster, a group of young men formed a society that was called the North Bondi Surf and and Social Club. Uh, They patrolled the beach at Bondi in order to be able to rescue those people who found themselves to be in trouble in the surf. Uh, These young men enjoyed their company with each other so much that the social aspect of their club started to take a higher priority and it wasn't too long before it actually just became a social club. Uh, They were enjoying themselves so much on Friday and Saturday nights that they found it a bit hard to drag themselves out of bed on Saturday and Sunday mornings to get down to patrol the beach. So a breakaway group was formed they moved south along the beach and it is today what we call Bondi Surf Life Saving Club. They were determined to have a clear purpose in what they were doing and they wrote a charter for their newly formed organisation. And in the charter they had seven objectives and every single one of those objectives contained these words. We are here to save lives in the surf. They were determined not to get sidetracked from their purpose as a club. They were there to save lives in the surf. Uh, Last week we started looking at the church and at its most basic, the church is God's people. That's what the word church means. It's those that God has called out, called out to be his people, called together To be his people. The church is those who are gathered by God, those who have responded to God's word through the message of, of forgiveness and life in Jesus, through the gospel. And they continue to be shaped by God's word. They continue to be built up by God's word to come to a better understanding of who they are as God's people and how it is that they ought to live. God hasn't called us to go it alone. He's called us together, to work together. So the church is the people that God has called together. So, but the question that we're looking at today is well, what's the purpose for calling them together? Why has God called his people to be together? And it's an important question. It's important because, like surf life saving clubs, churches can sometimes tend to be distracted from what they're supposed to be doing and do other things instead. They can lose their focus and get sidetracked from what their core business is and do other things instead. They can still be very busy, they can even be involved in good things but just not the things that God has called them to do. And that's what we're looking at this Sunday and next Sunday, God's purpose in calling his people. Next Sunday, we're going to look at the core business of the church that God calls us to call other people. He has called us and sent us out with this good news. But today, we're looking at the idea of serving. I think one of the most confronting Bible verses that I know, the one that every single time I read it, it challenges me, is... John's Gospel, haven't got it up on the screen, but John chapter 13 and verses 34 and 35. They're verses that you're probably familiar with. Jesus is talking with his disciples and he says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, you may be thinking, well, what's so confronting about that? Well, it's the second verse, verse 35. That's the bit that every time I read it, I feel challenged by it. By this, that is our love for one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus says the standout feature of his disciples, the thing that the rest of the world should be able to see about us is that we love one another. And not just that we love one another, but that it should be noticeable to the rest of the world. Every time I read that, I think, is that what people see? When they look at Campbell Street Church, is that the thing? Do they think to themselves, wow, those guys, they really love each other, don't they? Every time I read that verse, I wonder whether or not that's the case. Is it what stands out about the church generally and about our church specifically? Now, it's really important to make sure that we understand the context of that verse, when it was that Jesus actually said it. He's in the upper room with his disciples. In just a few hours, he will be going to die on the cross. He has just washed their feet. And now he's telling them that they need to love each other the way that he has loved them. Jesus is asking for them to follow his example. His example of service, he's just washed their feet, but also the example of him dying on the cross. And that's what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Here is Jesus, the one who is God, yet the one who's willing to humble himself and to take on the role of a slave. That's what the word is. And the first verse there says, your attitude should be like his attitude. In fact, in the verses just above there, this is what Paul says. If any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look look not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. We're to love one another. That's what he's saying, isn't he? And a large part of the purpose for which God has called us out is to do that, is to love one another, to love those who love Jesus. And we're to be servants in the same way that Jesus was. So, who is it that we are to serve? Well, the short answer from the Bible is one another. Here's your next Greek lesson. There's another word that comes up uh, about a hundred times, I think it's 115 times in the pages of the New Testament. Right? And here's a list of some of the one another passages. There's a whole bunch of different one another things that we're supposed to do where about a third of those verses are talking about loving one another. Another third of them are talking about being unified, united with one another. And then the last lot there are talking about humility. But when it says one another, it's talking about those within the life of that group that you are a part of. It doesn't have to be an organised denomination. It doesn't have to be a building church like this but it's the people who you say are your brothers and sisters in Christ. The people who you are expecting will love you and the people that you are working hard to love. God has called his people to have a concern for one another. See, church is not a performance that you attend. It's not a ritual that you participate in. It's a group of people that you're committed to. And hopefully they will be committed to you as well. That's why the writer of Hebrews makes this plea. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. But our service is actually to go beyond one another as well. I mean, you only need to open up your Bible to recognise that God has a great concern for those in need, for the oppressed, for the widow, the orphan, the alien, as they're talked about in the pages of the Old Testament. God expects us to have a concern for justice in our world as well. So it's not surprising that 20 of the 25 largest welfare agencies in this country are faith-based organisations. Anglicare, Mission Australia, the Salvos... They estimate, and this is a government estimate, that between 65 and 70% of community services in Australia are operated by faith-based organisations. And it really should be that way, shouldn't it? Because we're not just to love each other, we're to love the world. God has called us to be a part of his people and to love one another, but there's more that we're able to do together. To relieve suffering, to care for those in need, to seek justice and equity, to be a voice for the oppressed, to look after the widows and the orphans. And God expects that his people will do that, that it should actually come naturally to them to do that. We know what it is to be loved by God, so we should want to love others. And we do all of this, not to win God's favour, not to repay God for what it is that he's done for us, not because we have some sense of obligation, not because we're looking to big note ourselves in the eyes of others. We do these things as an expression of our gratitude for the love that God has shown to us. This is what Paul says in Romans Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And then just a few verses on, he says this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. The love and the concern that we show to others is ultimately about serving Jesus, responding to the mercy that God has shown to us in his Son. So how do we serve? Well, like I said before, we've got the example of Jesus. Not only was he washing the disciples' feet, but he was also laying down his life for them. Serving is ultimately about humility. Serving is not about self-promotion or impressing others. Jesus has brought in this kind of upside-down kingdom where the first will be last and the last will be first. So if you want to be first, start looking for where last is because that's where you need to go. And he says that anyone who wants to be great in his kingdom, well, they're the ones who actually learn how to be a servant of everybody. This is a picture of the All Blacks. I couldn't put the Wallabies up there. I just didn't have the heart to do it. It's just embarrassing, really. Uh, This is the All Blacks team, uh, and it is. It's probably one of the greatest sporting teams in the history of sport, generally. There are 45 people in this photo, which is amazing when you consider that when the whistle blows at the start of the game, only 15 of them will actually be on the field. Sometimes it feels like there's about 18 or 19 of them, but there's only 15 of them on the field. Does that mean that the rest of them aren't very important? Well, of course not. Every single person in that photo is essential to the running of that team. The players, the coaches, the trainers, the doctors and the physios, the dieticians, the admin people. The team, for it to function properly, needs every single one of those people. It's made up of a variety of people with a variety of gifts and abilities. Not all of them are going to step onto the field. I'm pretty sure this guy's football days are, are well in the past, and I don't think they let women play. Uh, there's two women in the photo there as well. I'm pretty sure they don't let them play, although they'd probably have a chance against the Wallabies. <laughs> but the Bible says that the church is a bit like the well, yeah, a bit like the All Blacks, <laughs> that it's made up of a whole bunch of different people. And for it to work properly, all of those people are needed. All of the parts of the body are going to need to be there. They're not all doing the same thing, but every single person has a part to play in the body. If you think that this is your church, then the Bible says you've got a part to play in the working of this body. We all have different gifts, different abilities, different personalities, different ways in which we're going to be able to serve... There's a couple of places in the Bible where Paul actually gives a list of some of the things that people might be able to do, the gifts that people may have been given. Some of them seem to be quite miraculous, like healing and miracles and prophecy and speaking in tongues. Some of them seem to be pretty ordinary, really, don't they? Administration, giving, helps, service. Those things don't sort of jump at you as being terribly spectacular. But what Paul's saying is that all of those gifts are needed for the church to be able to work properly. Each of the body, each of the parts in the body has a role to play. So again, if you feel that this is your church, if this is the group that you are regularly a part of, then here's the question. How are you serving within the life of this church? Now we have to take great care here. Some people may feel that the way that they serve isn't terribly important. Or we may be tempted to envy Other people who do certain things or have particular gifts and abilities. But we have to make sure that we don't think like that because every one of us has a part to play and the part that you play will be a part that somebody else is unable to play. Now you may be sitting there and thinking well I'm not really sure how I can serve. So I had a quick think about it during the week. Here's 20 ways that you might be able to serve within the life of our church. Now I'm not saying it's Definitely got to be one of these. This might just get you thinking. Here's one of the most basic ways that you can serve. Just show up. Turn up Sunday morning to church. Make it a priority. Make Bible study a priority. Make sure that you get there, that that when you plan your week, you think, right, not missing that, not missing that. That's one of the most encouraging things that you can do for everybody else. Number two, what about meals ministry? We're trying to provide meals for people who are in need or going through a tough patch. Speak to Libby. She'd love to have your help with that. Uh, Joan and a few of the ladies from the church here go and make sandwiches for homeless people. They'd love more volunteers to go in and help out with that. Lock-in Millie need help for two of the youth group outings that are coming up. They just need some manpower for a scavenger hunt and for a laser tag thing they're running later in the year. You can speak to them this morning over at Morning Tea. Could you teach or help out with a scripture class? Number six, maybe you can serve just with a phone call. Maybe you can go home and think, who wasn't there at church this morning? I'll give them a call, tell them that we missed them, make sure they're doing okay. That might seem like a really simple thing, but it can make a really big difference to people. Number seven, they're looking for volunteers at Minamara. I know a couple of people have already spoken to me. We'd love to have a few more. We've got a few people from here who are living over at Minamara. It'd be a great way for us to be able to serve them as well. You could get on the morning tea roster. Number nine, they can always do with help at music and playtime, setting out morning tea, setting out the tables, cleaning up afterwards or just holding a baby so that one of the mums can actually have a cup of coffee. Number ten, maybe giving is the thing that you can do. We're going to have some major building works hopefully happening in the next few months. Uh, We're going to need the funds to be able to do that. Come along to prayer meeting on Sunday morning. We meet just up there in the corner, 9 o'clock. What a great way for you to be able to serve the church, to be able to pray for people and, pr- and pray for our church. You can help out with the Kids Club Pupil Free Day. Libby's looking for more people to join that list. 28th of April, that'll be happening, so it's still a couple of months away, but she's trying to put that roster together. There are flowers that go up in the church here. Why don't you talk to Mavis about that? They'd love some help with that. There's always work to do around the church with cleaning and gardening and we're planning to have a working booth sometime in the next few weeks, so you want to put your hand up for that. There are people in our church who need transport from time to time, maybe you could volunteer to drive them. Maybe visiting is the thing that you can do. Visit someone who's unwell, visit those people who are in hospital. What about getting onto the Bible reading roster or doing a kids chalk or, or, or joining up with the welcoming team who try to stand at the front door and welcome people, especially new people. You could send an email to the missionaries. They'd love to hear about what's going on here at church or in your life or just in Australia generally. They love people to keep in contact with them. What about babysitting for some of the families so that they can make it to Bible study? Or what about meeting up with another person from from the church just to read the Bible together, read the Bible passage that we're going to look at next Sunday? and have a think and a talk about it. That's 20. only took me about 10 minutes to come up with all of them. Could have come up with more, but the sermon just would have dragged on and on, so I didn't want to go for too long. So it's not about having an official job or a role. It's about wanting to encourage and love and support and care for the other people who are part of this church. The starting point for serving is that we're committed to each other. We want to build up and encourage each other in our Christian lives. Couldn't think of a better way to finish this morning than by reading that verse from Hebrews. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching.